My name is Pastor David. It is my privilege to bring God's message to you this morning. So up on the screen, you will see an English word, which I'm hoping that most of you are familiar with, the word inseparable. Think about the ways in which that you have used this particular word in your life. For example, we may say about two friends, let's call them Matt and Mark, are inseparable, meaning that they are great friends. And everywhere we see them, they are together. And they love doing things together. And therefore, we call them inseparable. Or we may say about John and Molly are inseparable. They are married to one another. They love being married to one another. They are so intimate and devoted to one another. We cannot imagine one without the other. We have seen these kinds of marriages. We have seen these kinds of friendships. And therefore, we kind of use this word to describe their deep relationship, deep friendship, using this word inseparable. Perhaps your marriage is that way. Perhaps you have a friend like that. But I want to challenge that this morning. Are such friendships and marriage relationships truly inseparable? Can we really use the English word inseparable to describe human friendships and relationships? Think about that for a second. In fact, as two stories told of John and Molly Kramer, who were married for 73 years. During their golden years, Molly had developed dementia and had to be put in a nursing home. So John couldn't stand the thought of being separated from his wife, so he rented an apartment in the same nursing home and lived there. Talk about being inseparable. He visited his wife, Molly, every day. He held her hand, told her stories, stroked her hair, kissed her forehead. Sometimes the two of them listened to music and sang along. She was able to do that sometimes. At other times, John would just sit there quietly because his wife, Molly, could not respond to his gestures. One day, at the age of 98, John passed away. That was totally unexpected. All along, the family had thought it was Molly who had Alzheimer's would pass away first. But life would have it that John had passed away at the age of 98. So the family, not knowing how to break this news, this Alzheimer's-stricken Molly, and fearing how she would respond, because sometimes Alzheimer's patients do respond violently. So the family went to see her in the nursing home. So Molly was lying on her bed, 
it looked as if she was listening. But the, when the news was, was communicated to her, there was a tear rolled down her cheek as if indicating, I get it. I am sad. Forty-eight hours later, Molly passed away. As if she was holding on for that long for her husband. You see, in retelling this story, their granddaughter, Karen, said this. In life and in death, they were really inseparable. We have seen those kinds of marriages. We have seen those kinds of friendships. We have described them using this word, inseparable. But I told you I'm going to challenge that a little bit today. But is it true that John and Molly were inseparable in life and in death? Let's assume that John and Molly were Christians. John died first and went to heaven. Right? Molly, on the other hand, lived on this earth for the next 48 hours. So John and Molly were separated at least for 48 hours. Right? You see, that begs the question, can the English word inseparable be really used to describe any human friendship or relationships such as marriage relationships, regardless of how strong they might be? So I began to wonder, is there anything out there in real life that can be truly described as inseparable. Can you think of any? I googled and I searched and I you know, did all kinds of different things and I found only one. And even that has been challenged. Let me tell you what it is. Only a person's shadow is truly inseparable from that person, said one philosopher. Do you believe that? But someone else challenged that by saying, no light, no shadow. Remove the light, the shadow is gone. Therefore, shadow can indeed be separated from the real person, said someone. So at this point, I was very confused. Remember that we use, this is an English word, we use it all the time. I was having a hard time finding a real life example. So having failed to discover anything from real life, I turned to the Bible. Oh boy, oh boy, I found several things there. And here's one of those. The Trinity. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are inseparable. One God in three persons, three persons in one God, they are in 
insufferable. The English word insufferable truly applies there. Here's another one. The two natures of Christ, his humanity and his divinity are insufferable. Jesus was fully God and fully man. His two natures are inseparable. I discovered one more. And that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. So without giving you the answer, let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And if you are using the blue Bible, you will find that it's a church Bible. You will find that on page 1202. Romans chapter 8. And see if you can figure it out as I read this. What's the other thing? In addition to the Trinity and also the two natures of Christ, what is the other thing that is truly inseparable? Let's begin with verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Apostle Paul says emphatically, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, now anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. These verses say that we are inseparable from God's love. We and God's love cannot be separated no matter how hard anyone tries. The result is, and here's the main idea of these passages that I will be using today. We are more than conquerors in any and every situation because of God's inseparable love for us in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in any and every situation because, God, because of God's inseparable love for us in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? This statement breaks into three components. And so I will follow that outline for this rest of the sermon. We are more than conquerors because of God's inseparable love for us. We are more than conquerors in any and every situation. And we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So let's take the first point. We are more than conquerors because of God's inseparable love for us. You see, as I have already said, there's nothing in this world that is truly inseparable. Whether friendships or marriage or family relationships, regardless of how strong they might be. We have established that. Not even our shadow is inseparable from us because no light, no shadow. 
What is amazing is we are inseparable from God's love, just as the Trinity is inseparable and just as the two natures of Jesus are inseparable. Can you get that? God's love for us is inseparable, just as the Trinity is inseparable and just as the two natures of Jesus are inseparable. You see, it is a heresy to say or speak of separating the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you take the Trinity and separate as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are different or whatever. It is a heresy. We will be kicked out of evangelical churches. It is a heresy to speak of separating the two natures of Jesus Christ, his humanity and his divinity. Again, if you ever say that, that they are two separate natures, we will be kicked out of evangelical churches. It is a heresy. And God's love for us falls in that category. Therefore, I want to propose this. It is a heresy to say we can somehow be separated from God's love. That's how strong what I call God's love grip is on us. Now, let me illustrate this with the human example, which is not so perfect. I have told you, human example cannot be, you know, any example that we come up with cannot be inseparable. But let me illustrate that with the human example. I have a cousin who's a grown-up man now, but he was born when I was 10 years old. So the age gap between the two of us are 10 years. As a result, you know, when he was born, wherever I went, and I'm carrying around, and I'm playing with them, and I'm, I mean, he... We were always together. I'm just carrying and playing and walking around and all of those, telling him stories and so on. One day, I carried him for a walk and I came back into the home. I stripped. I tripped on the stairs. And I fell. Decades have gone by, by the way, since this happened. I still remember vividly. As I was falling down, I said to myself, no matter what happens to me, I am not going to let him fall. I grabbed him as tight as I could. And I fell, scratches everywhere, from the knee to the elbow to my, everywhere I was scratched. But I was not going to let him go. It is a human example. And God's love grip on us is infinitely stronger than what I just described to you. It cannot be separated just as Trinity cannot be separated, just as two natures of Christ cannot be separated. We read in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, in love, in this inseparable love, God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. This theme finds further development right here in the uh, Romans chapter 8 that we are using. For example, look with me to verses 29 and 30. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to the image of his son. Remember, predestination came about because of this love God had. 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All of that is the work of this inseparable love of God for us. Now let me pictorially explain this. I have used this particular picture quite a few times. So here's what happens. Because of God's inseparable love for us, but these verses say he foreknew us. He predestined us. He called us. Then on account of Jesus, he justified us. He saved us. There's a point of conversion. And then... Until we are glorified, whether we die and go to heaven or Jesus comes, whichever happens first, we are glorified. We shall be with him. We shall be like him. We shall see him. All of that is a part of the glorification. In, the, in, the, in between is the sanctification, the spiritual growth part of it. All of this is God's work. Because of this grip, see, as you go through this life, we will face all kinds of situations we will talk about it in a few minutes exactly what those situations are. But this love grip is so strong, we are guaranteed not to fail. And the destination is guaranteed, we shall be glorified. That's why we are more than conquerors because of God's love. Us. That's the first point. Second, we are more than conquerors in any and every situation. Let me read a few verses again from Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Look at these verses. Some, a friend of mine told me earlier this week that these are some of his favorite verses in the whole Bible. And here they are. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things past, or, or no, things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, no anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Just as I would not let my cousin fall down on the ground, even if it cost me. God, because of his inseparable love, did and does the same thing for us. In fact, infinitely more. So,
if you are here today, facing all kinds of different situations, perhaps someone has brought a charge against you. Someone has condemned you. Perhaps you are facing tribulations, distress, persecution, whatever it might be. Know this. Because of God's inseparable love, you are more than a conqueror in all of these situations. But importantly, note this verse here. Verse 37, it says, In all things... The word in is important. God never promises to stop these things from happening to us. In fact, Jesus even said, in the world you will have tribulation. That is guaranteed. Because we are Christians. But what God has promised because of his inseparable love is that, that he would make us more than conquerors in the midst of these situations. That is why we are going through them in all these things. Verses 28 and 29, Romans 8. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose to be conformed to the image of his son. Now when we read this verse... In fact, for a long time, I felt the same way. When we see this phrase, all things work together for good, we think, oh, well, yeah, I'm having a hard time right now, but everything is going to be okay. So if, if I were ill, I would say, I will be healed. No worries. Or if I have lost money or business or something like that, oh, everything will be restored. No worries. But that's not what that phrase means. You know what? The good that comes out of it is that we are being conformed to the image of God's son, Jesus. That's the good that comes out of this. Not physical healing. Not restoration of all the work that we have lost. That's not the point. When these kinds of things come, we need to know that we are being molded into the image of Jesus. We are being molded to become more and more Christ-like. If we know that, all we have to do is to sit quiet while we are going through these kinds of circumstances and to learn the lesson that God is teaching us. So let me ask again, are you in the midst of those kinds of challenging circumstances? Perhaps some of you are facing life-threatening illnesses. Perhaps even terminal ones. It causes distress. Perhaps some of you may have lost a job. And you are in distress. Perhaps some of you are in a difficult relationship. Perhaps an abusive husband and wife relationships. Perhaps there's no hope of reconciling. Rather it's headed to divorce. 
All of these things might be causing distress in our lives. Our hope and desire is somehow God will put all of these back together. In such a way, all things work together for those who love him. Work together for good for those who love him. But what if God is actually molding you and I to become more and more Christ-like in and through these challenging situations? If we know that, we are more than conquerors in any and all situations. You know why? Because I'm held by this inseparable love of God. Nobody can take that away from me. God would not let that happen. You know, the best example, I was, I was looking for some examples to really illustrate that the best one that came from the 1800s, believe it or not, a person by the name Horatio Stafford. Do you remember his name? He was the one who wrote the song, It is well with my soul. Do you know what he was going through at the time? Let me tell you the story. He was a successful lawyer and a real estate investor who lived in Chicago from 1828 to 1888. He and his wife Anna were devout Christians. Horatio was an elder in the Presbyterian Church at the time, and they were good friends of then-famous evangelist D.L. Moody, like Billy Graham. They had five children, four daughters and one son. Their only son died of scarlet fever at the age of four. Before they could even recover from that grief and loss, another tragedy occurred. The great Chicago fire destroyed much of their real estate investments. Two years later, the family decided to take a vacation just to be away from the sorrow and grief that they were facing. They decided to go to England where D.L. Moody was doing an evangelistic crusade at the time. At the last minute, something happened. Mr. Stafford has to stay behind, so he decided to send his, his wife and the four remaining daughters on the trip, and he was going to join later. The ship that carried his wife, Anna, and the four daughters collided with another ship in the Atlantic Ocean and sunk. All of his four daughters died that day. And his wife, Anna, was one of the 27 survivors of the 300-plus passengers who were on that ship that day. In fact, at the time, this was the largest disaster in the sea. The Titanic came several decades later. So his wife sent him a telegram saying, this is all it said, survived alone. What should I do? 
On hearing this tragic news, Mr. Stafford took the next available ship from New York. And while they were crossing where the shipwreck had taken place, the captain invited him and said, this is where the shipwreck took place, and this is probably where your daughters died. Overwhelmed with grief. But knowing that God's love was inseparable, he wrote this song, It is well, it is well with my soul. So let me ask you this. Are you able to say today, regardless of what the situation that you are going through, difficult ones, challenging ones, whatever the situation might be, you may be under distress, you, you may be accused, you may be condemned, people may have brought charges against you, you might be in an abusive relationship, your, your marriage might be getting to divorce, whatever the case might be, would you be able to say, because of this inseparable love of God for you, it is well, it is well with my soul. So what I thought I would do, I have one more point in the sermon. But as a prayer, as a confession, as a proclamation to God, I thought we will sing, pause here and sing this song. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. So the worship team is going to come. You can sit where you are. You don't necessarily have to stand up. Whatever God is asking you, let's Sing this song together as a proclamation, regardless of what we are going through. Because of God's inseparable love, it is indeed well with my soul. And afterwards, I'll come back and finish the sermon for us. Worship team, where are you going?
his situation as he was riding this particular throne. We are more than conquerors in any and every situation because of God's inseparable love. And listen to the last portion of that statement. For us in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8 verses 37 to 39 again. It says, Paul, Apostle Paul says, Knowing all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, God's inseparable love, make, which is, makes us more than conquerors in every and any situation, is made available to us in Christ Jesus. That's where Christmas comes in. We are more than conquerors because Christ Jesus came, died, rose again, Ascended to heaven where he is interceding for us. Let me explain this. If Jesus had not come, there is no crucifixion. There is no atonement for our sins and no salvation. If there is no crucifixion, there is no resurrection and thus no victory for us in Jesus. And if there is no resurrection, there is no ascension, there is no second coming, and no hope of eternal life with God and Christ. But Jesus did come, atone for our sins, rise again and ascend to heaven where he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us and awaiting his second coming when he will establish his eternal kingdom in new heaven. And new word. See, while I was preparing this sermon last week, I was reflecting on these kinds of things. I was just overwhelmed. And then God brought something to mind which I want to share with you. This is what Jesus said to Simon Peter, one of his disciples. Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. If you read the rest of the story, we know that Simon Peter did deny Jesus three times. But then Jesus, after resurrection, reached out to him and forgave his sin. And then restored to him his ministry. And he was the number one apostle who was leading the rest of them. And then look with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The same Jesus who prayed for Simon Peter 
is sitting at the right hand of Father in heaven and praying for us. That's why, my friends, we are more than conquerors in any and every situation. Because God's love is inseparable. And it has been given to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Indeed, we are victorious in Christ Jesus. So during this Christmas season, as you are reflecting on all of those things, praise him, thank him, tell him, it is well with your soul. Because God's love for us is inseparable, just as Trinity is inseparable, just as two natures of Christ is inseparable. If anybody tells you otherwise, tell them that is a heresy. May God bless you during this Christmas season as you reflect on these things. Let's pray. Lord, it is hard to fathom that you love us so much that you wouldn't let go of us regardless of what the situation is. In any and every situation, you are holding on to us and our destination is guaranteed. We will truly be glorified. We shall be with you. We shall see you face to face. And all of that you have made available to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, help us to live that way as we reflect on the birth of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.